Hello everybody and welcome back inside the Shark Tank as we recap round two of the new Gallagher Premiership season and we end round two with Sale uh, at the top of the pile at least as we do this podcast on uh, on Sunday morning off the back of a very resounding 37 points to 20 win over Bath at the wreck on Saturday. My name is Lewis and joining me as always are my co-hosts Alex and James. Alex, uh, how good is it to, to be top of the table for a change for sale? Yeah, it's spectacular, isn't it? I don't don't really know what it's like up there, but to, to be honest, to be top of the table and to be top of the table at the start of the season is just, you know, beyond our wildest dreams, I think, isn't it? We've, uh, we've played some really good rugby. We look exciting. Bear in mind, this isn't a full squad either. We're still depleted in some areas with people coming back. It's... Um, yeah, it's a really exciting time to be a Sale fan. And I think as well, if you go to um, National 1 uh, at the moment, Sale FC are top. So for Northwest Rugby, it's a pretty good time for top of the table uh, extravaganzas. But yeah, as a Sale fan, it's just absolutely fantastic to see us playing good, entertaining rugby, getting two five-point wins. Um, so we fully deserve to be at the top, but I think it's almost taken us all by surprise you know we all want the good starts of the season but I'm not sure in our wildest dreams we're quite expected to have 10 points from a possible 10 after two games we? well here we are we'll obviously go into detail on the bath game uh, at length shortly but James uh, I mean first two rounds of the of the premiership season for, for sale done we've talked obviously a lot about getting off to a fast start and picking up some early wins but I mean, to, to Alex's point, you know, this, this is best case scenario, isn't it? Not, you know, two wins out of two, try bonus points in each and, and a, a thumping win over Bath. Especially with 14 men. I mean, you know, when you lose somebody at nine minutes, you fear for, for, for the scoreline, don't you? And we were right to fear for it. But for the Bath fans, uh, I'd hate to be part of the, the Bath plug or whatever they're called, the fan podcast down there uh, reviewing this game. Because Sale were dominant and uh, physically dominant, being a man down in the pack. And yeah, we just couldn't have dreamt of a better start. Um, you know, we now go into Premiership Rugby Cup games, and it's an opportunity for some other players who haven't had a chance yet to get a real run out and try and keep our momentum going in a different competition and make it, uh, the squad feel good. Because at the moment, you've got kind of like about 24, 25 players who have been involved in the first two games who are going to be riding pretty high and going to be feeling pretty good about themselves and bonding together and feeling part of it. You know, that's another, that's another thing that, you know, people like Mark McCall haven't had enough credit for. How do you... It's not about keeping 23 players, you know, happy and feeling like they're winning all the time. It's how you keep the whole club happy. And so, you know, it's big, big challenge going into these Premier Rugby Cup games to keep the momentum going. But Sanderson talked about momentum. We've talked about momentum. For once, we've got it. So, first of all, I don't actually know if the Bath fan podcast is called The Bath Plug. But if it is, that's a fantastic name. Credit, credit to those boys. Uh, or is that one of your gems of wisdom there, uh, James? Well, if it is, then, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you're right. You know, if 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 you're on the Bath Plug or Bath Bites or, or whatever their fan podcast is called, you would be frustrated because we're obviously going to talk about the key moments of the game, and and obviously Selgrotter, you know, a fantastic you know start, 
end-to-end, you know, action to, to begin the game. Obviously, Tom O'Flaherty scoring early on. Um, but if you're Bath, and I guess I'll put this first question to you, Alex. If you're Bath, how the hell did not only did you lose this game, given that Nick Shonner for sale is sent off after only nine minutes, but how do you lose it without ever actually getting close to sale and, and coming away with nothing? Because... You know, we talk a lot about, you know, did, did X team win this game or did Y team lose this game? But this was very clearly one that Sale resoundingly won. And and, and what went right for Sale and wrong for Bath? I think the um, the discipline is pretty key in this. And obviously it's, it's a bit ironic for us to talk about discipline when we had a yellow card and a red card in the game. Um, but Bath just couldn't kind of... We talk about momentum. Bath couldn't get up the momentum because they kept giving away penalties. It's exactly what we did for a lot of last season, to be honest. And and it's really hard to, you know, when you, especially where Bath are in kind of, you know, there's frustration around the results. You know, they haven't won a lot at home, if ever. You know, like, when did a Bath fan last see them win at the wreck? It's probably been, feels like forever um, going into last season. So, yeah, I think there's almost a frustration to try and play and, and try and force stuff. And that, that leads to penalties when you're not playing that well. And, and we kind of found ourselves on the right side of that penalty count, I think. Um, you know, our defence is excellent. We've got that fallback of a really solid defence if it all goes wrong. And I think what Bath found themselves up against was a sale team who they knew the defence was going to be excellent. And they still managed to cut us open on a couple of occasions. But they knew the defence was going to be excellent and they struggled to score against that. But I don't think what Bath expected, and I don't think what we as Sale fans expected, was just how clinical and brilliant we were in attack. That, you know, Bath didn't give us that many chances. You know, they had the majority of the ball, they had the majority of the territory. But whenever we kind of got a chance to score, we generally did. And, you know, we're coming away kicking penalties. And, and I think that period where we'd scored a couple and then we just started knocking over penalties and just moving ourselves out of sight with three points and three points and three points is very sort of in contrast to last season where you know we were trying to score tries every time we moved ourselves away such that we were then at arm's length and it was kind of then trading try for try for try wasn't it um for the rest of the game so I think it's that that clinical edge from sale that we really wanted to see and and haven't seen as much last season but bringing in people like Tommy Flatty and I think uh someone mentioned it on Twitter last week might have been Martin Wiley um said about this moving the ball away from the from the rook with such speed you know we're getting into the wide channels really quickly and really easily and I just think it's hard for teams who know how we used to play with Faf and you know we they knew we were going to bosh it up the middle and, and we, we're, we're not going to go wide early we've completely changed that style and I think teams are struggling to adjust to that at the moment and it's it's reaping massive rewards for us the, the challenge is to keep it going but yeah I think Bath always knew that we were going to be a tough nut to crack defensively, but they had pace and, and talent in their back line to do that. I just don't think they accounted for, okay, say they're going to move the ball wide. They've got real threats on the wing. And I think that bravery to keep moving the ball wide when we were down to 14 men is is what really won us the game because it meant we were kept stretching them. And, and as you see, scoring tries, the, the Tom Curry try, it just comes from spinning the ball really wide, really quickly, getting a flat in space, and, and then it creates gaps all over the rest of the field, doesn't it? So, yeah, it's, it's a shame for Bath, but I think that discipline, and I think it's an exciting time to be a Sale fan when you know that the defence is still as good, but the attack is starting to build as we've wanted for, for so long, haven't we? 
uh, frustratingly, Premiership Rugby's yet yet to update the their website with the match reports. So I can't pull out the the specific team versus team stats. But you are right. The discipline that or or lack thereof that that Bath showed to continually give penalties away in, in all areas, even with the man advantage, really cost them because. One of the things that we'll touch upon is is Rob Dupria, who was absolutely sterling from from the tee uh, on Saturday, K- kicked everything, and it just allowed Sale uh, a few uh, moments of respite from defending with uh, with with the man um, in the bin for the entire game. But not only that, it kept the lead padded. And when when you've got your tank who's able to kick from anywhere, we saw on a couple of occasions Bath would get pinged at the breakdown. It's sort of thirty five forty meters out, off to an angle. Momentum that was previously going their way just completely shuts down, and on top of that, Dupree kicks a, a penalty to push Sale back in front, you know, by uh, by another couple of points. And given that Sale are off to such a rapid start and had already built a lead, to your point, Alex, it, it, we we just built a lead, kept Bath at arm's length the entire game, and even when the game opened up towards the end, and you started to see Bath make take advantage of um, uh, of having the extra man. What basically happened was they'd score a try and then we'd go down the other end and score a try as well. And and when you get into that sort of uh, firefight, you don't want to be 10, 15 points down. And, and it just meant Bath never got clear to us. And, and that's, a, that's a really encouraging thing. The one other thing I wanted to mention, obviously, in addition to discipline, is the breakdown, where, where Sale just had complete dominance all game. Bath were really struggling to, to clear us out um, when, uh, when we were uh, attacking the ball at the Rook. Uh, and also, they were really struggling to gain any sort of uh, forward momentum when we were on the attack. And, and to your point about being able to shift the ball wide, the amount of game line success Sale had on, on Saturday was was really, really apparent. Um, and you saw what impact the Dupree has had, but also players like Cobus Visa, obviously both Curry's coming off the bench. Tom O'Flaherty looked really good at picking up the ball around the breakdown and attacking the game line. And it just meant that Sale always had the momentum, which when you combine with being clinical and, and taking your points on offer, just meant Bath never got a foothold in the game. Um, James, before we do three-word reviews, what, what else was the kind of key to, to victory for Sale? Because you know, me and Alex have just mentioned a lot of different things there. But what, what do you think was most important for, for Sale picking up the five points? Probably the top two inches, I'd imagine. You know, I think uh, confidence is high. You know, we can see it at the beginning of the second half. So we, we took a good lead into the second half, but when you're a man down, you can see straight away in the second half. You know, for the rest of the 38 minutes in that second half could have been a long period of time for us, conceding lots of tries. You know, it wasn't until the 72nd or whatever minute it was. Uh, well, we're down to 13 men with Ross Harrison in the bin, which we haven't talked about. We love playing with 13 men, of course, but we did concede a good try uh, to Tom de Glanville. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that period of time, you know, we, you know, with eight minutes left, you then backed us with Ross Harrison coming back on the pitch to see it out. Um, but, you know, I think if we'd conceded again in that middle of the second half period, it would have been a bit different. But, you know, that top two inches to play the same way with 14 men, you know, we didn't actually change the, the way we played, uh, which was, you know, uh, defensive control, uh, competition of the breakdown, slowing down opposition ball. And then when we have the ball, moving it quickly. And the way we're doing that is almost bringing back what we used to do, which is Sam James often at first receiver. If it's not a forward putting in the ball in behind, which a lot of forwards do. But we also had Sam James standing really far out, almost opposite their 12 
being the first receiver. And Gus Ward just immediately looking for him as soon as he got there. Um, and, you know, that speed of ball that we had getting the ball out, you know, rather than, you know, Faf kind of like to get there, have a look at all of the options, pick it up and run with it a little bit, you know, and, and that kept defences honest around the rug because they'd have to worry about him having a little snipe. And then we'd have big runners coming off the ball at the 90-degree angle, which we know is very effective at all levels of rugby. But what we're doing here is we're just shifting the point of attack to that little bit further out. Um, and we've got, you know, some of these big lads we've got, like the Dupree's, are actually pretty mobile. You know, they're not they're, they're not like, you know, they're not carrying as much as, say, Billy Vunapola or whatever. They've actually got a bit of pace and they've got the ability to offload. So I think we're, you know, that's what really did it. You know, getting that ball that little bit further out and then Rob Dupree then having that ball. And he's got the option of a pop ball with someone coming up. Usually it's Luke James who's cutting a line. Or he's flinging it out wide to someone like O'Flaherty or, or Tom Roebuck, who we know have got the strength to stay in field. They've got the strength to stay in field. We're keeping pods a bit further out to support the next ruck and recycle the ball. And I'll pass over to you in a sec, Alex. But just just a shout out to Gus War. Lots of question marks going into the beginning of the season, not from us uh, or from the coaching staff, but from some of our fans. Been absolutely superb. Well done, Gus. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I was just going to say about playing the the style of playing, especially that point about Rob Dupree coming around the back. I don't know whether you remember, but in the past seasons, BT used to do that graphic of where people play off nine, off ten, off twelve, and we were always just off nine because we had Faf and we just had to play off nine. That's going to change massively this season, and I think you see that for the Tom Curry try, we're playing off twelve with Manu. You know, Manu's running the line and pulling it back, and and it's that variety in our attack. Because we can still play off nine with Gus War and we can still play off ten with Rob Dupree. But the fact that now we've got sort of three, I'd like to think that that graph will sort of go a third, a third, a third, probably. In fact, it'll probably go a bit more to 12 because Manu is such a potent runner that when he plays, we'll want to play off him. Um, but, you know, to be able to do that and, and switch up your game in that way, that's what we haven't seen. And that's what gets us wider in that initial phase to then open up that space, as you say. And, and it's a really good point about O'Flaherty and, and Roebuck. It's a shame for Roebuck having to come off, obviously, with the red card. But O'Flaherty is like just, he's a freak. He, he is a freak of nature in how good he is at carrying it, staying inside. You know, he's getting pick and goes for the first try. And I I went, to, I, I didn't watch the game live. Went to watch the highlights, expecting Tom O'Flaherty to be dining down in the corner. And it was like, what's going on here? And all of a sudden he picks and goes and scores from a metre out. It's just, but it's that strength, isn't it, that, that he has and that Roebuck has that, you know, makes uh, uh, it, it just uh, stretches uh, the defence. Honestly, like, you know, that you can just, extra basically a, basically spent the last decade practising pick and goes five metres out and absolutely nothing else. <laughs> and both having him, but seriously, like we, we've not been cutting edge in that regard at all compared to a lot of premiership teams. Um, and although it's not as powerful as it was because of the um, hold up, holding up uh, rule and the drop out under the posts, I think having both Johnny Hill and Flo Fiety into this, into this mix um, has, has been really potent. I think you make a really good, really good point. Well, I guess we we should talk maybe uh, about the key moment of the game, and and ironically, it didn't actually come to pass as being uh, the the most important moment of the game, but it was certainly the key one, which is obviously the Nick Shonner red card. And uh, I, I posted a couple of tweets uh, late last night um, with 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 my thoughts on 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 it. And if I'm being completely honest, I think it's yet another example of of why 
rugby needs to consider maybe an orange card or at least doing what they do in the Southern Hemisphere and having the 20-minute Simbin rule. You look at what happened between Nick Shonner and, and Dave Atwood, and whilst it's, it is a red card, you know, contact to the head, he, he, there's no mitigating factors, he's, he's not loading the tackle, which I completely understand. It's a, apparent that there's no maliciousness there. You know, there's no foul play. This is uh, a player running out of the line, getting a little bit too excited and, and accidentally bumping heads with the, with the attacking player. That... That moment did have the potential to ruin the game, and it didn't. But it's probably a really good example of, of the, the nuance, which we, we don't really see with a, a strict yellow and red card system, where there, it was a dangerous play, but there wasn't any foul play uh, involved in it, and therefore Sale shouldn't have necessarily had a player uh, in the bin for the remaining 71 minutes of the game. But that, that's my view on it. James, where, where do you stand on it? Because it didn't cost Sale today, but on another day, and against maybe a better team, you know that might have been the difference between Sale getting a five-point win and getting absolutely nothing out of the game. Mm. I think that the, the, where the judgment call is for the referee is, you know, there's no maliciousness, but was it reckless? Uh, and I think that rugby is right to be very, very worried about the legal cases that are coming into the sport and the impact that this game is having on people's brains. I really do because, you know, not just from a medical point of view, but from a PR perspective, this this is good. This could kill a sport that's struggling already to get, you know, players coming into the game and, and you know, there's, there's governments that will be keen to legislate and all sorts of stuff like we're on the back foot. So we have to be proactive here. And I know there's a bit of anger. I would have been a lot of anger uh, among Sale fans had this led to us losing the game. But having looked at it back and back and back again, there's head-to-head contact. And this is on Dave Atwood, who's about eight foot twenty. You know, like this is not this is not on a, a scrum half who's ducking and diving around the edge of the rook here. Um so yeah, I think that knock Nick Shonnet hopefully doesn't, you know, the red card is enough that you know he hopefully he's not gonna get like a significant ban because I think that would be diff that would be that would be a shame. And there was not a concussion incident here either. I think the one thing I disagreed with Ridley on was he was on his toes. It's a dynamic kind of aggressive tackle. I don't think he was. I don't think he was like launching his head forward into the tackle to demolish Atwood. I think it was just, okay, there's a big guy. I'm actually just going to kind of judo get him here and, and get both arms around. And it just was head on head. So I would label it as unfortunate, but probably still in the reckless and red card camp. Under the circumstances, I, I just don't see that rugby has a choice with these things. You know, you've got to you've got to get people bending at the hip and tackling, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, with the head on on the arse. And if that means more offloads, I think that's just the the way forward for the game, honestly. And Nick Shonnet's a big lad, and it takes him a bit of time to to, to lower. But if he was trying to tackle Tom O'Flaherty running through at a thousand miles an hour, side stepping off both feet, I'd kind of feel even more sorry for him. But it's Dave Atwood, who's thirty seven and you know ten foot. Like you should be able to tackle them. Well, where do you, where do you stand on it, Alex? Because I think both me and James seem to agree that it was a red card, but we maybe disagree in terms of the severity of the punishment. In that, you know, Shona, if he gets the the twenty minute red card, for example, he's still off for the re- remainder of the game. He doesn't play a part in it. Where do you where do you stand on it? Yeah, I think it, I agree with you too that it's a red card. I think. Um, 
it's a it's a frustrating red card because you look at and I do think you know there's he's he's I agree with you, James. That I don't think the referee's interpretation of it was the best, and that's maybe the frustrating thing because that's where it's a bit on the edge, and you're thinking, you know, as you say, it's not a dynamic hit. He's he's gone. He's sort of set himself. Um, I actually think there's a bit of a bend, but maybe, there's clearly not enough. And and you're right. We've got to you've got to sort of force people into into tackling properly, and and you know it frustrates all of us when people are sort of stood up in those kind of tackles because it is just it's it's just not right it's a bad tech, tackle technique in any case because his head's on the wrong side so you know it's i i agree it's a red card the impact is really frustrating it's a it's a tough one because i think i think you're right that it needs to be punished out of the game in in fairness this didn't affect sale in in the same way as Perhaps it would other teams. We're very used to it, so it's handy that we've done all that training with fourteen men in competitive games. Um, but I, I just think I think the twenty minute. I get the twenty minute red card, but I just I don't fully think that's going to change people's behaviour. And and to be honest, I don't even know that a red card is because you know for sale. This hasn't actually impacted the team other than Nick Shonnet getting a ban. Is this going to change his style of play? Is this going to change what younger players are doing? I don't think so. So I, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think it's a a marginal red card, but probably still a red card. As to the impact, I think you two are you two are better than uh, your thoughts are more clarified than me on this because I am just on the fence and I'm willing to be persuaded by either of you that either yeah it should be a red card and you just call it a red card and let's leave it or you know this orange card twenty minute um, thing comes in. I think it's it's amplified in this case by the fact that Sean's a prop, isn't it? You know if it's a centre, then it changes the dynamic a bit, but. I do suppose in in that case, if Kearney Eustazen then got injured genuinely when he came on, then um, you know what does that do to what does that do to scrums? And it turns it into uncontested scrums, which is you know not really helpful either. So I think there's maybe a, a bit of refining to be done because yeah, you, if you lose a centre, you lose a centre. Anyone can play centre; it's easy. Um, but you know, if you lose a tired prop or a, or a specialist position in effect, then then maybe that that's where the twenty minute card comes in because it does it it could result in an uncompetitive game at that point, couldn't it? Which is not what anyone wants. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, anyone can play centre. It's uh, it's it's that easy. No, just really, it's just a really interesting point because it didn't cost sale obviously on the day, but it'd be really interesting obviously in year sort of three or four of, of World Rugby clamping down on this. Just just whether or not we do see less of these incidents in the game and obviously hopefully less games decided by it. Luckily, that obviously didn't come to pass on Saturday. Um, so just before we move on, we'll, 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 we'll go through a couple of three-word reviews. And as you'd expect, so quite a few of the things we've already spoken about do come up quite quite a lot. Uh, Mark Cole, far beyond expectations. Uh, Danny Sweeney, Ridley's Ridiculous Red. Uh, John Capel, 14-man masterclass. Uh, Simon Landy, happy for Harper, who obviously made, made his return to the team uh, later on in the, in, in the game. Uh, Gray Anderson, only needed 14. Uh, Fraser Cornwell, uh, Simon Mack domination. Um, you know, we're talking about unsung heroes before. Simon McIntyre is having a fantastic start to, to his season. Uh, Simon Bennett, uh, immense rugby display. Ben Brooks, dominant, aggressive, clinical. And finally, uh, Robin S. Teamwork rewarded. Um, Simon McIntyre got got a bit of a shout out there, and uh, uh, I guess James, is there anyone else that you want to kind of highlight from this game? Because I think we've we've already started to weave some of those individual performances in. Tom O'Flaherty being a a really good example of that, and and obviously 
the few players you mentioned earlier. But is there anyone else that you think was was a real catalyst for uh, for Sale getting such a dominant win over Bath? I think to a man it was excellent, but I think we should just pause on McIntyre because you know it's players like Simon McIntyre probably don't get aren't going to get an enormous amount of shout outs on the pod throughout the course of the season. I mean, his offload out the back of his hand was absolutely extraordinary. Um, I can't remember for which try it was now. Was it the Akavan the Merva one? Yeah, Akavan the Merva try. There was two offloads in that try, wasn't there? There was the, the Simon McIntyre out the sort of the back of the hand, and then there was the Sam James in the tackle as well that put Akavan the Merva through. In fact, I mean, that, that won't be far off try of the season, I'm telling you. Just in terms of the actual ball skill and handling of, of, of that, that was extraordinary. And you know, Simon McIntyre has been solid in the scrum since he arrived at Sale. And we knew when he, we signed him on a one-year contract that it was basically like all upside because he'd performed for Wasps at a high level, lots of premiership experience, was also a homegrown lad and academy credits and all the rest of it. And uh, was solid in the scrum. If you just stay fit, I mean, he just had a couple of really bad years of injury. Well, he hasn't basically been injured with us. We've managed his workload really, really well, which you're able to do with Rod coming through the system and then obviously Ross Harrison, you know, as well, who has started the season solid too. Probably last season was his worst season in the last 10 years. And that's not to say it was a bad season. He was just, you know, lots of injuries, etc. And that's allowed McIntyre to sort of get ahead of him in the pecking order. And he's sort of dominant in the scrum, but he's also adding value around the park, as we saw to, to that try. So I just want to give that, um, you know, a massive, massive shout out. Sam James and Rob Dupria. Uh, you know, we've not seen them work as a 10-13 um, sort of duo, really. We've seen Rob Dupree work in the 13 channel. We've seen Sam James work in the 13 channel. Sam James looks like the Sam James of old. And Rob Dupree, every single pass is out in front of the player. You know? So you're not relying on the kind of pure strength of the player to get over the game line. You Because, you know, if you're carrying your forward momentum, it doesn't matter really how big you are. You, 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 you know, dominant tackles are quite difficult, especially when you're crabbing across across the pitch because we're we're passing it wide. It's very difficult to do a dominant tackle in the 13 or 14 channel, isn't it? Um, so you carry forward momentum. So I think I just think they all deserve a, a lot of credit. But I mean, that could go through every player in the team. I won't do Lewis. What is there any player that really stood out to you that you want to give a shout out to? Uh, to be honest, you know my my player of the match or or man of the round or, or whatever it, is Rob Dupria. You know, seventeen points from the boot in a game that was decided by seventeen points kind of says it all. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago about what our options were, and I think all three of us were probably you know quite quite heavily in favour of either giving the ten shirts Curtis or Wilkinson and, and kind of seeing what we've got there. Uh, with with Rob Dupree being the kind of safe option to see, you, you know, he, he could come in as a as a safety valve if uh, things don't go well the first couple of games of the year, um, and you know, and actually, you know, I I along with a few cell fans are eating crow a little bit because I, I was skeptical about just whether or not Rob Dupree could take us to the level we needed to be to get off to a fast start to the season, but when you're orchestrating two back to back bonus point wins and you're playing such an important role. Not just in kicking sticks, which which I think is fundamentally the most important thing a ten can do, but also in the way that we are structuring our attack and bringing our players into the game and creating opportunities for the likes of O'Flaherty and Roebuck. A massive part of that has been Rob Dupree, and you saw it again um, yesterday. 
the organization, the structure that we're playing with, whether or not it's it's you know been something that George Ford has, has implemented, or whether or not it's something that Paul Deacon's implemented, whatever it is, Dupree has bought in and he's playing probably his best rugby so far in a sales shirt. So I, I think you know you you look at his performances first two weeks, you think, yep, yeah, that that's really good, sort of you know seven and a half, eight out of ten. But the fact that he's kicking seventeen points and, and not missing anything and kicking it from everywhere. If you miss even two or three of those kicks yesterday, the game looks very different. And as I mentioned it earlier, but the fact that every time Bath started to build momentum, we were turning the ball over, winning a penalty and kicking it, that's so demoralising to another team. And we're going to start mentioning a lot, a lot, I imagine, if Sale perform well. But you start to see this sort of Saracen-esque approach kind of creeping into the game where it's something Saracens have done so well for the last decade, building Getting out to a fast start, building a lead, and then just keeping teams at arm length. And, and at the moment, Rob Dupree has is, is been the, the catalyst behind that for sale. So I really wanted to give him a shout out because um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic on, on Saturday. Um, Alex, is there anyone else you want to you wanna pay heed to? Yeah, I think we've talked about him already, but we, uh, Tommy Flaherty just is really adding a lot to this team that we knew he would, but the fact he's doing it is still really impressive and I don't think we should lose sight of it. Um, and I think you see in those, those tangible things on the field, but also those intangible things, as James says, the top two inches, and that's coming from the likes of Flaherty, Hill, Ford. You know, I think you can see their their input on this side and, and not only the way it's changed the style, but the way we're... I think, you know, to... To go as far up as we did with 14 men is impressive. To then sort of have Bath come back into it a bit and really hold our own, it's that mentality. And it's what we should have done last week against Northampton and didn't. So it's really good to see we've sort of you know, learned from that, I think. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from, from those players. Um, I agree with you on Sam James. I think he's had two of his best games for a long, long time in the sales shirt. So um, that is going to be a really exciting season to see. Um, and yeah, we have sort of gone through the whole team there, haven't we? Then, but I just I would also like to say that Manu has done the same thing again as he did last week in having a really quietly good game. Um, and really, you know, that's number one. He's making it through games, which is great. But number two, he's he's such a threat that it's just creating that space for everyone else. And um, you know, as long as he keeps doing that, we're going to keep finding those gaps, and, and we're going to keep putting players through them who'll get all the credit but I just don't think we should lose sight of the, the way that Manu's playing is is really really we're getting the most out of him now and I think I think you know but we talked about Faf going being sort of a, a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways you're seeing a lot of players shine as a team and as a unit with Faf gone I think and and that's not to say that Faf wasn't brilliant for this club and, and you know when he came we needed him but I think you're seeing now that He's left this club in a much better place, but he's also kind of his absence is allowing people to step up and and really put in performances that are you know there's a lot of man in the match worthy performances going on now, aren't there? And it's no longer just oh yeah we'll choose Faf. Um, you know when George Ford comes back, I'm sure it'll be yeah we'll just choose George Ford for man of the match or we'll choose Aja uh, like we used to. But now is <laughs> for yeah until that time at least it is there's a hell of a lot of people just putting in incredible performances, 1-15 to 23. So, um, yeah, I, I, as I say, I don't want to go through the whole team, but, you know, you could talk about Tom Curry coming off the bench and being absolutely mega, but he just is, isn't he? That's the thing we forget as Sale fans, and, and probably England fans do as well. The level he operates at is is just far beyond what he should do at his age and, and his capability, but he just is, 
is so such an incredible player, such a beast that um, yeah, it's very good to have him back as well. But you know, Ben Curry captain the side. Um, we are well set in every. It feels like we're well set in every department, but maybe we're just getting carried away. <laughs> well, I was, I was actually just going to round this off by mentioning that you know depth from one to twenty three is looking very strong at the moment, and we're going to preview the Prem Rugby Cup game in a minute and talk about some of the academy prospects who are going to be adding to that depth um, over the next couple of years. But we've managed to get around the broken link on the Prem Rugby website, and I just want to go back very briefly to the kind of key stats from the game I wanted to highlight, which is uh, turnovers. Bath won four on the day. Sale won 13, which I think is indicative of that of that dominance we had, particularly around the breakdown. Um, and in terms of penalties, considering, to your point earlier, Alex, that Sale had a man red-carded and a man yellow-carded, uh, Sale conceded 12 penalties, Bath conceded 15 so if you're looking for kind of a, a tail of the tape and, and the reason why Sale won and Bath lost, I thought, I thought those two stats were particularly illuminating. And, and, and especially because, you know, they are, they are team stats, you know, ultimately. Um, this isn't a case of one player doing four or five clean breaks like Tom Roebuck did last week. This is, you know, te- team effort and, and team performance. And to a man, Sale were far better than, uh, than Bath on, on Saturday and uh, were very good value for the win. Now, uh, unfortunately, we can't continue that 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 hot uh, streak into into the round three of the Gallagher Premiership because Sale have one of those uh, infamous bye weeks coming up. Um, so Sale don't return to Premiership action until they play Exeter in a couple of weeks, but we do still have a game. We, we're playing uh, we're playing Tuesday Night Lights uh, this week uh, against uh, Leicester Tigers in the Premiership Rugby Cup. Um, James, obviously, you know you're our go-to academy man. Uh, and obviously you do the previews as well, so this is a perfect marriage. But just before that, Alex, your, your thoughts on, um, on on Premiership Rugby choosing to play some of these Rugby Cup matches midweek rather than uh, in place of other game weeks? Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I do think it's it's advantageous because people are going to be around to watch it. I think the crowds, are, you're going to struggle with crowds, um, but you know they've done it in a... In a non Champions League week, which I think is helpful as well. You know, there's a bit of a void for Tuesday night sport, Tuesday Wednesday night sport once the European football ends. So there's definitely um, there's definitely benefits to it. I think it's causing a lot of people very short turnarounds in squads, which is forcing people to play entirely different 23s in both games, which I think is good for the competition in terms of that's what it's there for as development competition. But I think if you're getting to to that point, you sort of question whether it is for the final the people just going to play the first team against the first team. And, and I think maybe there needs to be an acknowledgement that, yeah, OK, we'll do it on Tuesday nights, but we'll ring fence it and you have to play as X number of um, under-23s or, you know, you have to have this percentage of, of academy products, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a, I quite like it from a watching it on the telly point of view. From an attendance point of view, it's it's just hard. I think, you know, I've, I've got a season ticket. I can get into the game, but a Tuesday night at the AJ Bell is is it's just a tough thing to, to do because, you know, on a Saturday, well, what I do is go and park at the traffic centre and walk over. Do I really want to be walking to and from the traffic centre to the AJ Bell at 10, 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday? Not really. Um, but will I, will I go anyway? Maybe. Um, but, yeah, it's just a – it's – I think – for, for a club like Bath, it'd be fine because you're in the centre of town. It's you know, people can get away relatively easily. Um, I just think for for clubs like Sale, it, a club 
for example, like Worcester, these places where, you know, it's, it's harder to get to the ground um, when you can't just, you know, pop out and, and you're there. Um, yeah, it's as a, as a sale fan, it's, I still don't know where I'm going, but I think, yeah, from a TV product's point of view, I think it'll be really good and I think it'll be exciting. And I think the fact that it forces people to play Academy Good Kids is good. I just think it should be then protected so that in the later stage of the competition, it's the same teams playing the same teams rather than it turning into what it will turn into, which is just two first teams in the Premier League Cup final. And it is an interesting one and because I, I don't know if you boys agree, but it does kind of feel like the Prem Rugby Cup is a bit of a legacy thing that, that they've never really been able to work out what to, what to do with. Is it a development competition? Well, well, no, actually it isn't, but all the teams treat it like that. Is it an expansion of, of you know, Anglo-Welsh rugby? Well, it was for a bit, but, but not anymore. It does really feel like we, we may ultimately be in the last couple of, of, of years of, of this competition because it is effectively now just a glorified academy competition. And I know, you know, we've talked separately off air about whether or not you could start to integrate championship teams, for example, into this, uh, you know, and give them a, a much needed, you know, boost for visibility or, or, or at least interest in the lower leagues of the game. So, you know, it's just an interesting quirk. You know, we're talking about a, a Premier Rugby Cup game on a Tuesday now. I'm just very interested to, to get your thoughts on it, uh, at least from an off-field perspective. But from an on-field perspective, James, um, obviously... We're not going to go too much into to the Leicester's academy, um, but I do know there's a couple of players that you want to highlight as potentially being options to start for sale on, on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's, that's, there's a bit of spanner in the works, not having that, bi- having that bye week, because Sanderson's got to make a call as to whether he wants to keep his you know, his, his team that's winning and some of those players, you know, match fit so we don't go cold into the extra game. I think that's difficult, to be honest, because... We just played with 14 men. So the, the, t- the 23 we've just seen is unlikely to be running out on Tuesday. I think someone like Harper might have done, <laughs> but I think he's now possibly a little bit less less realistic. Um, and then the week after, of course, then you own quick turnaround to the Exeter game uh, for, the, for the Newcastle Prem Rugby Cup game. So I think, you know, when you actually have a look at the squad, there's enough players here to play those two Tuesday games. Uh, you know, people who do need game time. So someone like Tommy Taylor, brilliant last week. Probably going to captain the side, you'd imagine, this Tuesday. Him or Josh Beaumont, if Beaumont wasn't left out because of fitness issues, you know, him him sort of packing down and getting this, you know, trying to get a good sort of 60, 70 minutes under his belt would be a massive for Josh Beaumont, even at this level. So it's not just your young, your young players. You're also looking at these squad players getting some game time. You know, others that I might want to mention, people like Don Barrow, if he's fit. Um, probably needs game time. Sam Dugdale out a long time with injury at the end of last season has turned out already for Sale FC, but not this Saturday. So you imagine he's going to be starting um, for for Sale this 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 weekend. Um, other people, someone like Kieran Wilkinson, Tom Curtis probably still needs to be given the keys. You know, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the ones from the twenty three of this weekend to actually turn out. And start the game on Tuesday. Who 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 knows? We don't know where Sam Hill is. Uh, you know, if he's fit and just not playing, he absolutely needs to play at twelve. Um, otherwise, you know, you sort of look after that. And Ben Matamid, uh, you know, he's he's one of the young academy players. We're a bit short at twelve, you know, because Bedlow's more of a thirteen. Uh, he can play twelve, 
Elliot Gurley can actually play 12 as well. He played, spent the season at Coldy last year. Um, didn't turn out for Coldy at the weekend. Did the week before. Um, so, again, you're expecting Gurley to play, but I, I imagine that we probably see him on the wing. So, we'll, we'll find out a lot about the fitness of these kind of more senior squad members but who haven't played in the 23 as to whether they're playing um, on Tuesday. Um, Alex, have you got any particular academy players that you're really looking forward to seeing getting game time, even if it's just off the bench? Uh, I'd quite like to see Tommy Onsanya play in these games because he plays really well for Sale FC and I think he, he he brings that. We were talking about what Simon McIntyre is bringing in the scrum and in the loose. Um, he does that for Sale FC quite a lot. You know, he's he's great over the ball um, to winning turnovers. He's he's great carrier, really um, really powerful, but also great hands. You know, very sort of silky silky hands. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him play. I think. The other guy we uh, the the guy we always talked about and and have mentioned is Yandy and Conge who um, played for CFC as well the other week uh, and it looks like a massive talent. So I think there's, there's so many exciting players, aren't they? You, know, you can talk about it's weird in that that sort of senior level where it's Tom Curtis, Kevin Wilkinson that you're expecting to really be running these games now, but the the pipeline at the moment is so strong and the people coming through, as you say, with Tommy Woodman. Um, you know, Gourlay, we've not even seen that much of in a in a sale shirt, really. He's played a lot for Coldy. So, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of players who uh, should be putting their hands up in these games. But, um, yeah, t- I think Tommy Anisanya is one that could be absolutely spectacular in, in two or three years. He's obviously played for England already at, at age grade level recently. So, hopefully, we, we get a proper game out of him. Um, and other than that, I guess in the... In the backs, I, I think I'm just looking forward to seeing hopefully Tom Curtis and Kieran Wilkinson run a game between them. Um, I genuinely think that'll be quite an interesting thing to see, preferably Curtis, given what he did in Australia over the summer, um, and see whether you know are they are they ready for that Premier Rugby level? Because Rob Capriere is holding down the shirt at the moment, so it's up to them to kind of start coming and taking him taking it off him, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not out of the realms of possibility they might both play ten and twelve because at twelve maybe. If, if Hill's not fit, because we know Doherty got a bad injury, we've not had an update on that, but we assume that he's out for some time after playing well in the preseason against Connor. Um, we might also see someone like Jason Woodward. Uh, Lewis, what do you think about, you know, what's the balance that we need to get in this side between kind of senior older heads who maybe need the game time versus kind of these new, you know, straight out of school lads. You mentioned Yande Nkonge. Another one is is Woodman, who's an open side who looks pretty special. What? How do they, how do you get the balance? How do you do it? Well, first of all, I'm very glad you asked me that question rather than which academy plays to, that I was looking forward to watching because unfortunately I don't get to go to Sale FC. Um, so I probably couldn't pick some of them out of a lineup if I'm being completely honest. Um Look, it is difficult because actually Sale are, are blessed with so much promising academy talent that there is almost um, a, a reasonable train of thought which says, play them all. You know, you could start a, a, a team with a back row of, you know, Nkonge, Woodman, um, and then a Dugdale, for example, who's obviously a little bit, little bit older. Um, and, and, and it's the same in the back line. You could easily play... Uh, Tom Curtis, Kieran Wilkinson, Joe Carpenter, Elliot Gurley, etc. In, in a backline, and they did, they did do a decent job of it. Um, 
this isn't like some teams where there's a couple of really good academy players, then you're going to have to supplement them with the, with the veterans in the team. But, you know, I think what, what I'm most interested in is, is Sanderson's approach to kind of squad building. And, and, and what I mean by that is, are we going to throw some of those, like you said, straight out of, of school kids into a team? You know, some of these players are, you know, 18, you know, 19. They are very young, especially in rugby terms. Um, or are we going to say, look, we are building our Premiership Rugby Cup side to act as a as a B or a C team to the first team? We're going to give really important minutes to players that we might need later down the line, a la Sam Hill, you know, um, or a, or a Joe Simpson, for example. We need to make sure that they've got some minutes under their legs. Um, so that's the thing I'm, I'm most in, in, excited to see. And I'm glad you mentioned Jason Woodward as well, because I think 15 is is the really interesting position to see kind of where Sanderson and the coaches' heads are at. Because at 15, you could easily go Joe Carpenter, you know, very talented uh, age-grade player who we've not really seen much of in a sell shirt so far, or an Elliot Gurley. Or you could go for Jason Woodward, who got released, remember, over the summer, joined up with the club very late on in the... In, in, uh, in in August, um, and probably if he's going to have any sort of impact for sale this year, needs to get a 60, 70, 80 minute performance under his belt. So it's positions like at 15 and then uh, in the second row where I'm really interested to see which approach we take. If it was me, what I would be doing is probably going for for the latter approach and and using the Prem Rugby Cup as a as as a sales sort of B team with a couple of those really exciting academy prospects sort of sprinkled in there. But I don't want someone like Tristan Woodman having to do too much over the course of a game. I want him to be su- supplemented with, um, you know, the likes of maybe a John O'Ross starting at six uh, with like a Sam Dugdale, for example, uh, also in the back row. Same with the, uh, in the back line. Um, if you're going to throw Tom Curtis in there at, at 10, let's make sure he's got a safety valve in Sam Hill at 12 rather than maybe asking Joe Bedlow to play a key role in, in, in that area. So that, that would be my approach. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of exciting players here, but I think the key is, you know, let's make sure we, we keep winning games. Let's make sure we, we bring some of these players through, um, you know, slowly because we don't need to throw them in at the deep end like we did five or six years ago. Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I'm always super excited about the next generation and 18 year olds. But when you actually have a look at the squad and the players who haven't played in the, in, you know, in the first team yet, <clears throat> there's people like Ben Bamba, you know, who is an absolute monster, by the way, can play six or, sec- or second row. Turned out for Sale FC last weekend, not in the Sale FC 23 for this weekend. Alex Groves was. So you imagine that Groves isn't going to get a turnout this week, at least for, 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 for Sale Sharks. But you imagine Ben Bamba will. Now, will that be in the second row alongside a Josh Bowman, a Don Barrow, or a Matt Postlethwaite who dropped out the 23 for sale for sale sharks? Or are they going to throw in, you know, like a Ewan Murphy or someone like that who's, you know, the, the, you know a little bit younger, 21, coming through um, uh, the academy? I think it's probably more likely to be the former, to be honest. You know, people like Bamba, people like Groves, you know, they, they are people that we need to see operating at that next level up because they're getting us, you know, senior squad salary, you know, and we need to see them extend. Someone like Ruben Birch has been on the outside of the squad for a little while. You know, he has to start at eight, you'd imagine, and, and look to really, you know, take it towards the next level. We have to see if someone like Ruben Birch has, has got what it takes 
you know, if, if Dan Dupree goes down injured, okay, you've got options around John Ross, Tom Curry can play there, Jean-Luc can play there. But if you can get Ruben Birch coming through and looking like a, a serious option at eight, then that 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 just it opens up huge amounts of options for Alex Anderson when it comes to selection. And and so, you know, I'd love Woodman to start at seven, but I'm starting to think, okay, well, actually, maybe that's probably not going to happen. Maybe, maybe Sam Dugdale might have a go at, go, go at seven, you know, uh, if he's not playing at six, you know. And another young player coming through, Hugh Davies, he's actually started for Sale FC um, in the last couple of weeks. Whereas Woodman's not getting a go for sales. I don't know if he's injured or he's just seen as maybe being not quite ready. I mean, Hugh Davis can go second row and number eight at age group, but he played at seven for Sale FC. So you can see how you're sort of bringing through the youngsters maybe more physically ready for adult rugby, not maybe in the position they're going to end up, but they're ready to turn out onto onto the pitch. So I think you made some really, really good good points there. I think centre is the one where if Sam Hill is injured and Conor Doty is injured, where you might get the youngsters throw in the Ben Matamid. The, the Aaron Pope is another one, as well as Joe Bedlow that you mentioned. So I think if I was one of those three, they might be the ones that are kind of thrown in the deep end and could make a huge name for themselves. Uh, you know, it can go both ways. Whereas I think in the forward pack, someone like Ethan Kane is going to probably come off the bench, for example, with Tommy Taylor starting. And I much prefer that that way. You know, the pack has got to get the right ball. There's no point saying to Tom Curtis, come and dom- or Kieran Wilson, come and dominate at this level in the Premiership Rugby Cup <laughs> if you're getting hammered up front. And, you know, again, that's another reason why I'd go with Joe Simpson at nine, getting the minutes on his legs, really cool, calm head, order the forwards around, tell them what they're supposed to do. And then you bring Nye Thomas off the bench. So I, I, that's how I would do it. Maybe for some people that might might seem conservative, but I also think that we kind of want to get to the final this competition if we can as well. So, you know, let's, let's, let's try and get some good, good, you know, some physically ready players on the pitch, get the ball and then, you know, and then we can bring some, you know, real youngsters off the bench um, and get their first taste. Don't forget to be their first taste of this level of rugby. Um, and, you know, hopefully we there's a few diamonds. Not, well, I was going to say diamonds in the rough. They're not diamonds in the rough. You know, there are a few g- genuine talents that we see make the step up because and I'll just finish on this point because just conscious of the time. You know, it's not easy. It's not guaranteed. You know, there's lots of Charlie Wardle fans out there during the during the sort of the academy season last year, and I totally get that. He looks like a really quality player at ten or at fifteen. But actually, you know, so 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 was uh, so was Hodgson at, at Newcastle. He looked like different gravy at age groups as a ten, um, and hasn't quite come through. The same with Davis in in Wales. You now play, play. He's now I, I don't know exactly who he's playing for now, but he came through. Um, at the Ospreys, and everyone's going, oh, he's, he's Sam Davis, he's going to be the next the next big 10 for Wales. It's not easy. Um, so we have to give these guys a little bit of space. They're not going to rock up at 18 and suddenly be looking like they're playing for England. You know, um, there's only the odd Tom Curry out there, honestly. So uh, so best of luck to the lads. If you get your opportunity, take it. We can't wait to watch you in action. Yeah, well, we can't really do a score prediction because obviously even if we knew the Sale and Leicester teams there's a lot of unknowns here so so maybe just to kind of round things off then what we could all do is just pick one player that we're particularly keen to see um, uh, play on, on Tuesday so so the way I'll frame it and I, I will go go first is if there's one player that you could hand pick today 
to to get the 80 minutes or get the start against Leicester, who would it be? So I'm going to kick things off by just saying Joe Carpenter. You know that for me, you know, you know, injuries aside, for for example, for me, the way I look at the Premier Rugby Cup at the moment is it's a development competition, but it needs to supplement the first team squad. Right now, Luke James is looking very solid at 15, but that's probably one of the only areas in the team where there's long term question marks. But do we have a like a test level t- uh, prospect? Um, at that position, you know, Joe Carpenter's played age grade for for England so far. He's obviously got the skills um, that you need uh, from as a sort of traditional fifteen. And if you think to where this team could be in two or three years' time, you want a high ceiling player playing at you know your ten, twelve, fifteen, etc. So that's one player that I'm particularly interested to get to get get a longer look at. And as a result, that'd be my pick for for a player. Um, Alex, what about yourself? You got one player that that you can. Um, make sure definitely gets a start. Who would you be going for? Um, I would have picked Carpenter, to be fair. It's a very good shout. Um, I think I will, on that basis, probably go for Nye Thomas. Uh, at some point, uh, I take the point on Simpson, and I think you know, this obviously has to be balanced, but I would quite like to see him start at least one of them because I think he's a really exciting prospect. And I think you know, it's, it's, this is his season for the Premier League Cup, really. This is a season that he should be... Um, he should be making an impact. So yeah, Night Thomas because he looks he looks like a an exciting, annoying scrum half, which is exactly what you want. And finally, James, prospect expert, expert, you know everyone better than, than yeah, anyone else. So. It's the new gen coming through. You know, definitely Tristan Woodman. He, he has looked different level at age group, honestly, as a seven, and and you know, and that's for England as well. He got man of the match in pretty much every England game he played. But I'm actually just going to pick somebody who's that, that you know, that kind of, you know, I'm going to pick Joe Jones. And the reason why I'm going to pick Joe Jones is because, I mean, he's just never played Butler for sale. <laughs> Whether it was in the Diamond era, but in his first in here, or since Sanderson's come in, he comes off the bench and he's kind of like, uh, he sorts the scrum out. He's so scrummage. He gets around the park all right. And then you just, you barely see him during the year. I mean, you can see why he keeps going back to somewhere like Doncaster to get minutes and things. Um, you know, because he must be thinking, when am I going to be given my proper shot? And I'd just love for him to get, you know, 60 minutes at this level, showing that he, he can be a dominant scrummager and that he's fit enough to get, get around the park. So I'm going to go with, with, with Joe Jones. But, you know, it'd be great to see someone like Sam Hill or, or Don Barrow suddenly get 80 minutes because I think they're going to be very important to us with Manu going, uh, you know, the second row, after, you know, who knows what happened, might happen with Josh Beaumont, etc. So, um, you know, for, for, for me, they feel like quite critical squad players this year, Sam Hill and Don Barrow. So if they got 80 minutes, if they're fit to play, uh, I'd be really chuffed with that. Fantastic. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there. Thank you so much to everyone who uh, sent in three-word reviews. Thank you to everyone who listened to the show last week and, and has obviously tuned in this week. And thanks, as always, to Alex and James for joining me. So next couple of weeks, with, with Sal having the, the bye week and a couple of Premier Rugby games, the, the weekly schedule for pods might get uh, a little bit disrupted. But we'll, uh, we'll be back um, with nothing less than a review of the uh, two Premiership Rugby Cup games in the next couple of weeks and obviously back to normal scheduling after the Exeter game uh, in a fortnight's time as well. So thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll speak to you on the other side. <laughs>